This is 50 Reasons to Visit Britain. We're your hosts, Joe Donlan and Caitlin Potts. Coming up on today's show, English versus American accent. What came first? The answer may surprise you. We take an even closer look at coffee rhyming slang. Joe makes this an honorary 50 Reasons to Visit Ireland episode. Caitlin finds her very own hero in a half shell. And we have a chat with Robert Rabbi Burns. I've had four Kit Kats for breakfast. Yes, I jumped in on purpose there I just had, to... I had four yesterday, not for breakfast. But I didn't really eat lunch. It was kind of instead of lunch. Okay, here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of our 50 Reasons to Visit Britain from Crystal Travel and Tours in Boston. My name is Caitlin, and I am a stickler for all things English-related um, grammar, spelling, punctuation... I'm kind of a geek about it, but I'm okay with it. I guess Joseph is an dumb, and that is me saying my name is Joseph in Irish because I can't say it in Welsh or Scots Gaelic, <laughs> but I'd imagine it's probably close enough in Scots Gaelic. It sounds good. For each episode that we bring to you, we will be focusing on a new and exciting reason to travel to Britain. As I'm sure you can probably already tell, today's reason number 13, unlucky for some, is language. Woohoo! All types of languages. All and Before types we of get language. into what the episode is about and stuff like that, yeah. we need to get through the important topic of our BuzzFeed quiz. The very important topic. How well do you know British slang? I have a hunch you probably... Um, what was the first one you sent me? So we had two... Yeah, we had two. The, the first one, one was really boring, though. It was like how... Can, oh, the first one was, can you pass this... Can you ace this English, English test designed test. for non-native speakers? Yeah. So I, I took that before I realized we didn't need to take it. That's fine. I got the very first question wrong, but I got all the Effective rest of them right defect. after that. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, they should have left that at the end. That was the hardest question. Yeah, I got it wrong, easy. too. And normally I'm Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with that myself, too. I was pretty too, surprised. I, I, I don't know. I thought I was getting tricked, I guess. But there Still you go. got an A, though. Did you get an A? Yes, I got all an A right. out of 10. Okay, well, how did you do with the British slang? What did you get? I got... 10 out of 11. Wow. Smashing. Blimey. <laughs> you should be very chuffed indeed. Chuffed. Because you are absolutely ace at British slang, apparently. I definitely thought chuffed was um, kind of like a... Like I'm ch- it's, it's, I'm chuffed to see that it's rainy outside. I definitely thought it was like chuffed. Because chuffed, it just sounds like an ugly word. Like, oh, chuffed. I'm upset. I'm annoyed. I'm peeved. So you got... What did you get, I guess, is the next question. Well, okay. So I got a 5 out of 11. Oh, sh- okay. Because I was going to say, <laughs> how did you do well on this test if you didn't know what chuffed was? But obviously you didn't. No, I got dodgy guesser. While you weren't quite spot on, you made a brilliant effort. You're certainly no plonker. I don't know no. what a plonker is. <laughs> so that's why I got a 5 out of 11. That all makes sense. It's all a making plonker sense. plonker is uh, basically an idiot. Well, that's nice. So you're not an idiot, apparently. Right. So congratulations. Okay. Good for you. Thank you so much. Uh, let's move on to crystal math. So only 1.1% of people who live in Scotland now speak Gaelic. 20.8% of the population aged three and over in Wales speak Welsh. In 2017, the government unveiled Kimreg 2050 
to increase the number of Welsh speakers in Wales to 1 million by 2050 and to build a platform in society for Welsh to be spoken more often. That's ambitious to have a million. Wow. I'll be 60 years old. Gross. <laughs> That's so I'm sh- disgusting. I'm sure you'll age very well, Caitlin. Maybe, maybe you should try and learn Welsh in that time as well. That'll be, <laughs> you that'll I'll be, be one of the 1 million, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's do an overview. Um, just kind of give people a little feel for what we're going to talk about. In case you haven't guessed, we are going to be kind of diving into the English language and yeah this this episode is a little bit of a mishmash catch-all type yeah. thing in that we're not just going to discuss the various languages that are spoken within the different countries but we will delve a little bit into the history and we'll talk a little bit about um accents and a little bit about cockney rhyming slang shockingly enough wow so it's it's a little bit of a mishmash but it's all it quite is. interesting and it gives you at least some sort of an overview of where things are going. You'll get a feel for how things got to be the way they are, too, in different regions of the UK. Okay, so I am going to start with... It's definitely not the most important, but we talk about it every single podcast episode, so I figured we better get into it a little bit. Cockney rhyming slang. Cockney rhyming slang was invented in London in the 1840s by market traders and street hawkers, and it was most likely first used as a way to disguise conversation from passers-by in the same way that pig latin would have been used in that way and in the same way that irish people the world over try to speak irish in uh, different countries so that people don't understand what they're talking about (laughs) the true cockney is someone born within the sound of bow bells saint mary le bow church in cheapside london the term is now loosely applied to many born outside of the area as long as they have a cockney accent these can be heard widely in London suburbs and all across southeast England. So what is Cockney rhyming slang? It is phrases that are derived from taking an expression which rhymes with a word, then using that expression instead of the word. That makes total sense, right? Ah, so for example, really. look rhymes with butcher's hook. In many cases, the rhyming word is omitted altogether. You wouldn't find too many Londoners having a butcher's hook at the site, but you might find them having a butcher's. Today, the phrases have entered British lexicon, with many still being used in London and all around Britain. For example, use your loaf is an everyday British phrase, but many people do not realise it is a cockney rhyming slang. Loaf of bread equals head. And there is a ton of them that people don't even realise they're using and might never question, to be honest, why... Whether it makes sense or whether it does not, it's just it's part of, um, part of the language that gets around. And it's always interesting to me. I know, in many countries and civilizations, like language, their own language is very important. Like in Ireland, speaking Irish Gaelic or Irish, as I just like to call it, is very very important to a lot of people. That that is not lost to the country because it is part of the national identity. But I also recognize that even though, you know, English is the language of the world at the moment, a lot of the way Irish people speak, a lot of that is borrowed from the Irish language. And we speak a different type of English to other languages. Not every single word or anything like that, but there are definitely turns of phrase. And I, sure. I still have them in the office with you guys all the time. where the Dialect, yeah. Yeah, where there's just words you don't understand, such as use your loaf and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I can't think of 
not even one thing offhand right now, but um, <laughs> there's lots of different situations there where we, you know, they are they come from our culture and our history, and that's that's an important yeah. thing too. I wish I could think of an example too, but I know every now and then you'll say something to one of us, and we're like, "What? Excuse what does that mean?" Me? Usually, Sabrina that'll turn around and call me out. The rest of you kind of, rest of you kind of uh, let it slide. Hmm. So Welsh. Or Kimreg is one of Europe's oldest living languages originating in the 6th century. Did you even know that there was a Welsh language? That's the question. There are four stages of Welsh throughout history before current Welsh became popular. Starting with the primitive Welsh from the 6th to 8th centuries, Old Welsh from the 8th to the 12th, Middle Welsh from the 12th to the 14th, and finally Modern Welsh from the 14th to the 16th centuries. Government officials and public bodies use Welsh as their official language and publicly all traffic signs are in Welsh and English and Welsh is the first language used in schools even though English is a huge part of society as well. England has the largest number of Welsh speakers outside of Wales but a province in Argentina speaks it as well as small parts of Canada. It's interesting to think about. I don't know any more about that but it definitely would be interesting to figure out like... I know in Montreal in Canada they speak a lot of French and sure. I know in places like Nova Scotia in Canada there's a lot of Scottish and there's still mm-hmm. Scots Gaelic spoken there. So it'd be interesting to hear why yeah, how that why got it to still be. exists there. Yeah. I'm sure it's something similar to those stories. But uh, interesting. always cool. Um, I have been to Wales and the Welsh language mystifies me. It's It's a really weird language and Welsh people have a pretty interesting accent too mm-hmm. um but it's unique and it's theirs and there's not much we can say about that i no. guess no no but you know what it is theirs like you said Joe, and i'm sure they're very proud of it as they should be and it is yeah i mean it is interesting that they do insist on every road sign being in both languages it's the same in ireland yeah which um, is good hold on to your culture yeah it's just Welsh is so weird. Like there's double W's and there's Y's everywhere, and words starting with double L. And words are very long. <laughs> they're very yeah. long. Yeah, <clears throat> they, they're quite interesting to pronounce yes. sometimes. Yes. Today's slang is borrow and beg. Borrow and beg, Caitlin. Thankfully, you have time to think about this. Borrow and. Bag. I always like when you repeat the words yourself just to make sure that you have it right. And you yeah, think of course. It for a while, but then it's you... like a spelling bee, you know. <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> is it a verb? Is it a is it, um, country of origin? <laughs> or language of origin, not country uh, of origin. <laughs> English. <laughs> Thanks so much. That really helps. Okay. I will, while I think on that, I will um, multitask and talk about Scots Gaelic and Scottish language and some Scots slang. Scots Gaelic was first brought to Scotland in the 4th century from settlers in Ireland and was developed out of Middle Irish. Most of what Scotland is now was Gaelic-speaking when it was first developed, but now only 1.1% of people in Scotland speak Gaelic regularly. Some Gaelic-speaking or re- some Gaelic-speaking regions do have traffic and store signs that read Gaelic, as well as English and Scottish, so much like Joe was saying earlier with Welsh and English in Wales, similar in Scotland with the Scottish and English language. School mostly ignored the Gaelic language for a long time, and people today remember getting in trouble for speaking Gaelic in school. Could you imagine? Yep. Wow, I, that's weird. It was the exact opposite in Ireland. You'd get in trouble for speaking, for speaking English, English back in the day. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. 
Kids today can now take a Gaelic class, but no classes are taught in the language itself anymore. That's kind of sad. And that's interesting too, because in Ireland now, I mean, you, you have right? to you have to take Irish up through until you're 12 years old. Yeah. And I think they're changing it where you might not have to after that, but in my time you had to take it for the next five years. Mm. And now there's even college courses in it. So Very interesting, yeah. yeah. Scots is also a variety of language spoken in Scotland, which is considered a Germanic language. Every part of Scotland has different dialects and versions of Scots, like Northern Scots, Insular Scots, Central Scots, and Southern Scots, each coming from different backgrounds of Scots, like Jewish or German. There is no defined version of Scots to be the original. Every region thinks they have the better original version, which, you know, of course, there's a little bit of pride wherever you're from. Like, we, you, we had it first, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for nodding and <laughs> going with my point. I was trying to be very, like, deep and... Sorry, I was I was reading ahead and going, oh, yeah, this is an interesting point you're about to come up with, oh, so sorry, I wasn't listening. I have all the interesting points. <laughs> yes, yes. Scots are infamous for their slang words, like blether, which just means to talk or chat. Hod your weesht, which means... Hod your weesht. That's exactly what I said. Yes. Which means to be quiet or pure berry. Berry or bari? Pure bari, would you say? I don't know that one. All right, well. Sorry. Which means <laughs> pure bari. That means something is wonderful or fantastic. Yeah. How about I, that? So blether in Ireland would actually be blather. Oh. So Caitlin blathers when she's in the office quite Always. often. Always, yes. And hold your whist would be hold your whist. Which is, again, we'd say that in Ireland too. Which just, is what they yeah. want to say to me when I'm blathering. <laughs> <laughs> and All then right. Caitlin go, thank you so much, you're pure Barry. Exactly, yeah. All yeah. the time. Always. Yeah. So. Sorry, can I, I have one more point. I have so many points, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is okay. Um, and I, I, I know I shouldn't be... Um, comparing Ireland and Scotland all no, the time it's... but I was in Scotland a couple of weeks ago shocker <laughs> and I was talking to one of our tour guides who was actually from New Zealand and he was saying that from what he's heard that Irish Gaelic and Scots Gaelic are so different now that if you put two native speakers in a room they wouldn't be able to understand each other interesting. which I thought was interesting because I was looking at as you said, some of the, the road signs and some of the shop signs and stuff like that, and even just some like open and closed signs and whatever, are written in Scots Gaelic, and they are different from Gaelic. But I'm looking and I'm like, oh, that means so you can put it together. X. Yeah, so I good. thought it was I thought it was much closer than hmm. what he was saying. So I don't know. Interesting. It's, it's interesting too. Definitely transitioned over time. Mm -hmm. Let's move on now to accents. Most people assume that the British accents they hear nowadays are the way they have always been, but False. This is not true. It was not the American accent that divulged from the British, but instead, the current British accent changed from the American accent. My mind was blown when I found this out. I still don't understand it, so please enlighten me. Oh, that's so me. interesting. All right, well, we'll go into it soon. An accent is the way a person pronounces a language, of course. In English, this pronouncing is influenced by geographical location. These variations are clearly noticed from country to country, but also from region to region within the same country. Like, you know, in Ohio and Cleveland, there's that Cleveland A where your dad and your mom, you're gonna, you're gonna go to the game later, go see Megan. 
Yeah, which which is similar to like a Minnesota accent, right? Which is also similar I, to some of the. I would the argue. I would argue that the Minnesota is a bit stronger than the Cleveland, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, but, but there's definitely you can tell like a progression in some way. For yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linguists say that most English language learners have erotic accent, meaning they pronounce the R in most words, no matter where they're from. Most Americans have this type of speech. A non-rhotic accent is one where the R is not pronounced. And this is very common throughout Britain and New England, especially Boston, I would say. For example, a Brit would say, it's been a hard winter. Would they? Or would they say, it's been a hard winter. It's the same thing, except in a slightly more feminine accent. All right, well, voice, I, I, sound sound a, I sound accent. a bit more refined. And an American would say, it's been a hard winter. Unless you're from Boston. It's been a hard <laughs> winter. I'm trying to think of all the accents I can do. Yeah, you see, I mean, I think that's probably oversimplifying a little bit. Of course. In that, you know, the Boston accent definitely does not pronounce its R's and pack the can to have it. Yeah, it is but similar. But you thing. also think, too, you know, how geographically close Boston is much more close, much closer to places like the UK. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of people who have direct descendants mm-hmm. from the UK. And uh-huh. so, you know, it's, it's that... That language that doesn't quite change quite as drastically, those In Montserrat, this is, this is going completely off topic. <laughs> in Montserrat, a lot of Irish back in the day were sent there to work on like the sugarcane plantations. You can as, listen as to more about this. Slaves or indentured servants. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even today, they've got this weird Irish-Caribbean hybrid. And even that's kind of... It's very similar to the Jamaican accent because of that, because there were so many Irish sent over as indentured servants and slaves. We're going to have the back croc in the man. Day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, You're welcome. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, like a legacy thing that comes from yeah, that, too. I would say so. The current British accent did not arise until the mid 1700s. The English and Americans shared an accent during the initial British migration to the US, and it was more of a rhotic accent. The British accent began to change, however, towards the 1770s during the American Revolution. I never knew this, Joe. Mm-hmm. Non rhotic accents started to become popular with the upper class. This difference began because a lot of English people suddenly became wealthy as a result of the Industrial Revolution and wanted to find a way to distinguish themselves from the poorer classes. Thus, they adopted the non-rhotic British accent. How about that? I have not spoken about Game of Thrones in many episodes, so now I'm about to drop some knowledge from Game of Thrones. Very much overdue, yes. Um, It is interesting how you're talking about distinguishing between classes there. My lord and milord is one way to distinguish between uh, an upper class and a lower class peasant. So one of the characters was um, very much upper class. She was born in a castle and whatever, but she was pretending to be a poor peasant girl. And she was putting on the accent. So one of the ways she sold that she was a peasant was by saying milord instead of my lord hmm. because that's so it's it's similar with that that's how they're differentiating i guess and that's only one one specific word but there you go there you go there you go there you have it i kind of enjoyed that conversation 
Me too. Maybe I'm a loser for liking accents. <laughs> Who knows? No, I think it's cool. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, I'm, you kind of wonder, but you're like, ah, oh, I don't know. It just kind of changed over time. And yeah, but like even, think about. even when you listen to my accent compared to Bridie's accent. It is different. Br- Bridie's been in Boston for 30 plus years and probably closer to 40. And she's definitely got a way softer Irish accent than me and is definitely more Americanized. Sure. Because she spent more of her life here than in Ireland. But then you look at someone like Jim, who's been here for over 50 years, and he has probably a thicker Galway yes. accent than me. Yes. So it's it's just interesting And I would say see. Patty's is still quite yeah. thick, too. Yeah, because yeah, the Waterford one wouldn't be that strong anyway, mm. um, compared to the, the West of Ireland ones are quite stronger than than a lot of the rest of them. So interesting. it's just interesting, to, Very interesting to see even that alone. Indeed, indeed. I feel like I am the bearer of bad news every single week and Caitlin for some reason gets away with it. But unfortunately, Robert Burns can't make it today. He has uh, apparently not been around for the last couple of centuries. So that's our bad for not kind of double checking before booking him for an interview slot. But yours truly has something special up his sleeve for times when our legendary guests are pushing up daisies. We're calling this segment... Joe's Pros, which I think we did a little bit in uh, last season for for Ireland. And it's just uh, where I will read out one of my favorite poems today. It's going to be by Robert Burns himself. And we didn't talk about him much today, but I have a sense of 50 reasons foreshadowing that he'll come up again sometime soon. The reason I like Robbie Burns is... He is unapologetic about where he came from. All of his poetry is pretty much always about Scotland, but the way he phrases things as well is uniquely Scottish and in the Scottish way of saying things. I am going to try my best not to have a bad Scottish accent here, but I cannot make any promises because of the way a lot of this is written. It is literally spelled the way a Scottish person would say it. So I will try my best. This is a poem called Up in the Morning Early by Robbie Burns, and it definitely has some winter theme in it, which is good for this time of year. Cowled blaws the wind fray east to west, the drift is driving surly. Say loud and shrills, I hear the blast, I'm sure it's winter fairly. Up in the mornings, no for me, up in the morning early. When at the hills are covered with snow, I'm sure it's winter fairly. The birds sit chittering in the thorn, at day they fare but sparely, and langs the night frae e'en to morn, I'm sure it's winter fairly. Up in the mornings, no for me, up in the morning early, when a' the hills are covered with snow, I'm sure it's winter fairly. And if you didn't understand some of that, snow is snow. Um, I don't know, I think most of it is actually kind of self-explanatory, but cold blows the wind from east to west is how it starts, and kind of just sets the scene. And I don't know if many of our listeners live in New England, but that is the way it has been this winter so far, so that makes complete sense. Caitlin. Okay, what was the phrase again? I can't remember. Borrow and beg. Borrow and beg. What rhymes with 
or borrow sorrow. It's usually the same. I know. Word. I'm just trying to think in case you're trying to trick me. Trying to think. Don't don't do too much of that. I know it hurts your head. <sighs> oh, thanks. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Borrow and beg. Ah. Uh, Nothing rhymes with bag. It's like the word yellow. Nothing rhymes with yellow. Leg. Uh -oh. Meg. Keg. Meg is not a word. And keg, I highly... Well, maybe. Maybe they're going to have a keg. I don't know. Why did I make that voice? I don't know. Um, I don't want to go with the ones you just said. I want to have my own. Leg. Keg. Um, reg is not a Peg. word. Peg. Jeg. Not a word. Mm, weg. Okay, let's go with leg. I'm probably gonna get this one wrong. Yeah, because I didn't. I mean, I didn't you name the, give on, me. the only word that that I didn't name. <laughs> All right. What e is the answer? Egg. Oh, that's. I like this one. <laughs> okay, I guess there are more words that rhyme with beg. I didn't think about that. I was just thinking of like what. Like you were trying to put a letter in instead of... Trying to put a consonant of, instead of a vowel. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You were trying to put a letter in instead of B when you should have been taking out the B and putting one in at the end. Remove the B. Yeah. Yep. So congratulations on getting another one wrong. On losing. You suck. I am the biggest loser. Okay. We have some hidden gems here that we failed to include in the rest of the episode or that did not fit in. The British Museum in London is full of objects with writings from different regions and cultures around the world. Primary among these is the greatest codebreaker of them all, the famous Rosetta Stone. The Bodleian Library in Oxford is a huge writer's attraction in Britain with tours and exhibits throughout the library, has a truly scholarly atmosphere. The Museum of London is another great place for anyone wishing to explore the history of language, which is what we kind of touched on today. The medieval London Gallery in particular contains a varied selection, including old manuscripts, medieval writing tools, and numerous objects with runic inscriptions, each helping to add something to the story of English. We obviously didn't get into much of that because there's no real point in talking about manuscripts and runic inscription language because even some people looking at them are bored by them. So <laughs> when you don't actually have anything to look at and you have us talking about yes. squiggles and beautiful lines on pages and stuff. It's better to see it in person if you want, yeah. if you're interested, yeah. Having just opened in 2010 the Robert Burns Birthplace Museum, we talked about Robbie Burns very briefly, very recently, and we said we'd talk about him more again. He's going to crop up all the time. So the Robert Burns Birthplace Museum guides visitors through the cultural experience that is life and poetry of Scotland's favourite son via the medium of the Scots language. Not that this should put off anyone who doesn't speak the language as English translations are included. This is perhaps worth a trip up to Ayrshire for anyone wishing to have the complete experience of the lyricism of the Scots language. And that's one thing that is really important about Robbie Burns' poetry is that he did speak a lot in the old Scottish language and some of it is indecipherable, some of it is really, really beautiful, but most of it is translated and is is gorgeous. And I won't talk about the Ron Swanson scene where he reads the poem on the edge of the cliff and cries yeah, don't surrounded talk about by it. sheep because uh, you know I've talked about it but before. I'm obviously not gonna talk about it again. So <laughs> Alright, yes. Well thank you for those hidden gems. You are Joe. Very welcome. Thank you oh so much. Um, I'm about to wow you all with our tour for the reason for this episode. We have our Wales experience. It's an eight-day chauffeur tour. And now I know we've covered 
everything from English, Scots Gaelic, slang, Cockney rhyming slang, you know, and of course Welsh. Not to mention the audience for language-based travel is not going to be huge, I don't think, so yeah. we're keeping this pretty broad. Yes, it is a bit broad, but I think that the Welsh language, as Joe was mentioning earlier, and I know I was saying, you know, it's very interesting to kind of go to an area where you do see these, I don't want to say strange, but these unfamiliar words on signs, and you hear people say these words that you've not heard of before, and you hear that like accent. Like that town that's the longest place yes, in the world that exactly. I, I can absolutely not pronounce. Yes, yes. So I think Wales, if anyone's interested in getting a very, very different um, feeling being in a country where there is a language spoken they're not familiar with, I think Wales is a good place for that. Wales is known, of course, for its rugged coastline, mountainous national parks, distinctive Welsh language, and its Celtic culture. The capital of Wales is Cardiff, and we've gone over some of this before, but honestly, you will have a wonderful time on this chauffeur tour. We've gone over how chauffeur tours, um, you don't have to worry about the driving, you get from point A to B, you can just relax in the back seat wherever. But you can also switch things up as you go along if you want. Of course, you can do that too. You kind of have the freedom to do what you want without worrying about the roads, the traffic, the time, anything like that. Um, Wales is a wonderful country to see with places like Snowdonia National Park, which we've discussed. There's all sorts of opportunities to be outdoorsy or indoorsy. It's really what you make of it. and Or just doorsy. Doorsy. Too, yeah. I'm quite doorsy. That sounds about right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, this is just a tiny example of a way that you can go to a place that has a different language, different feel, different culture. You can do that with a lot of places that we... I should just stop talking, huh? What should I say? Correct. All right, okay. Uh, this is just a taste of something that you could do, and we are happy to take you anywhere pretty much right yes and even if you just want to tip into wales as i've mentioned before yeah. just to get a feel of somewhere that's not as as developed like i would say ireland is quite developed touristically if that's a word which it probably isn't nope um and scotland is a few years behind it and wales is quite a few years behind that again um but not in a bad way it's still very well able to cater for tourists it just doesn't have the the same kind of infrastructure and the same um years behind it mm -hmm. so it feels more like you are a local inside somebody else's country rather than a tourist in a country full of tourists if you know what i mean there you go which is cool yes yes very right. good. It's that time of the fortnight again, Caitlin, where Yay. you get to see a cute animal because you can't Google them yourself. <laughs> We've disabled that uh, on your on your computer. Yes, they hacked my laptop. You sure did. My computer, everything. Yep, yep. All right. I'm so ready. I'm so excited. <gasps> Jesus, even I think that one is cute. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that fruit is bigger than he is. It's a baby turtle, and he's very hungry, and he's got a little, oh, he's got a little tiny mouth he's trying to open and take a... That must be the biggest strawberry ever, or the tiniest, tiniest turtle. I like how he's putting every <clears throat> muscle he possibly can into taking this bite. Like, you can see his legs, he's, he's like... He's up on his tippy he's toes. He's pushing as much yeah. as he can with all of his little tiny turtle might, and he's just trying to get a little bite. Poor guy, he's trying to get from the wrong side. You don't want to eat the leave part that's Maybe not he does. That good. Maybe turtles are cool with that. I don't know. He needs to start somewhere, in he's fairness. He's got to start somewhere. Yeah, like, I don't know where else he would oh. attack that from with that tiny mouth. Where, where, do, where do you think he found the strawberry? Do you think someone got it for him? Looks Maybe. Clean. It looks, does look clean. Looks like fresh. someone washed it off. Yep, yep. If I had to say, I would say it's a staged photo, Caitlin. I'm sorry. No. 
I would say somebody planned this. No, it's not. No, I think he, you know, it's Friday. He's excited. He wants to celebrate the weekend. And he's like, I'm going to have a tasty treat for myself. And that's exactly how he talks, too, probably, right? How much of the strawberries think he can eat? before he gets full honestly like, this is like thanksgiving for him like i think he i think his family yeah but even even i don't eat a turkey the same size as me <laughs> i mean that's i think his family is gonna they're all gonna like come at it from different angles they're just giving him the first yeah bite at the cherry dad if gets you will the first you know the first carving of the you turkey you think he's dead he's a he is a baby. baby turtle surely right <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I, maybe he like did a really good deed, and they're like, "Here, you go." I just first. hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I think he's okay. Hope he's doing well. I think he is. He's he's trying so hard. He tries. He really does. I hope he's doing shell. Shell. Wow, Joe. That's pretty nice. It's the end of that. <laughs> We're moving on from that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. We'll be back with episode 14, The Great West Way. If you're speaking our language, you Scots, to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. All right, everybody. Until next time. Bye-bye. Cheerio.